I don't have friends. I got family. Anything you want to drink in our family, but only if it's Corona. Only Coronas. That's right. We're talking about the greatest family films of all time, Fast and Furious. Woo! And we're starting off. I'm so excited. Yeah, we're starting off with the only logical place to start. I guess this is technically the first one. They start to get a little. This would be the first film. We do have some prequels, kind of. I'm not sure when three happens, but there's definitely prequel stuff that happens in this movie that we see in nine. Three's like after seven, I think. Oh, that's the future. You're right. Three's more in the future. Yeah. Three's after six. Yeah, three's after. Three's at least after six because that's when. Well, we'll get into that when some other characters come in that they retroactively jigsaw them into the films and pretend like they've been there the whole time. Yeah. yeah. I'm very excited to talk about these. These are also some of my favorite movies. As long as you're ready to talk about them, because you weren't giving me much hope the other day via text. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you showed me Johnny Tran saying, too soon, and I'm like, that's the first time in the franchise. And you said, no. Vin Diesel says it when he races Paul Walker the first time. I'm like, bitch, he doesn't. He does not. And I showed you the video, and therefore I am the Fast and Furious guy. All right. Sure. You, you keep telling yourself that. <laughs> I live my life a quarter of a mile at a time. Oh, okay. It, today you do. That's for sure. Corona and family. That's all that matters to me. So we are going to be covering all of the movies this month. We're going to be going through every single one. No breaks. Just like powering through. We're going to go right up through the 10th one. Much like Vin Diesel and Paul Walker. No breaks. That's right. Full NOS. Yeah. We're going to turn those NOS tanks all the way up and hit the button at the right time. 
Do you guys know the origin of this film? Do you know where it comes from? Point Break. Yeah, it's Point Break. It, <laughs> it's definitely Point Break, like 100%. Yeah, we got it right, Chuck. <laughs> like, I mean, it's basically, that's what the plot of the film is. Based on a news article from a magazine about the L.A. underground street racing scene, and somebody's like, I want to make a movie about this, and they weren't sure how to, like, wrap a film around it, so they just kind of, like, took a generic kind of, like, cop film and tried to wrap a story around this, like, news article, essentially. That's ludicrous. No ludicrous is in the second one. That's right. They weren't supposed to have a franchise out of this. Like, this was really supposed to be, like, a one-and-done film. They didn't expect anything out of it. It was just supposed to be, like, a kind of summer blockbuster thing. Hold on a second. Uh, I think there's a fucking washing machine going. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is the most important episode. This is the Fast and Furious episode. Number one. I do like Chuck. My Blu ray set says The Fast and the Furious, the original. <laughs> <laughs> and it has a big one on the side. You know, just so you're totally sure that you're watching the very first one. The original. Well, they know they fucked that up when they titled the fourth one Fast and Furious. So the original title for this was Redline. It wasn't supposed to be the Fast and the Furious. And there was some, like, titling issue. Like, they couldn't use that title. Something else was... It would have been so screwed up. Like, I can't imagine two red, two line. uh... (laughs) Right? In Japan, it's, like, Fast Wild or something like that. They borrowed... There was actually an issue initially with the name because there is another old movie from the 50s called The Fast and the Furious. So they weren't sure about the copyright around that name. But I guess there's like there's not really enough similarity between the two of them to kind of like worry about it. So they're just like... It doesn't really matter. so... It doesn't matter. But if the movie's hard to follow for you, there's The Fast and there's The Furious. The Fast is Brian O'Connor, played by Paul Walker. And The Furious Uh is Vin Diesel. (laughs) Okay, so it's pretty easy to tell because in the very beginning, the very first time that you see Brian O'Connor, he's trying to go fast. The thing that makes this film a bit interesting in comparison to other films like it is that it only had a forty, uh, like a thirty-nine million dollar budget, and they didn't want to give them any more of a budget. But to do the car stuff that they needed to do for the film, they needed like a budget of around like almost close to like seventy million dollars. I'd like to pitch that we we have a bunch of car stuff, so we're gonna need seventy well, million. Well, and the please. whole film is built around the underground car racing scene this the sport compact car racing scene that has never been portrayed in film before so what they did was they went out and they asked people in the underground racing scene to allow their cars to be used in the film so all the film's cars are real tuners cars utilized in the films so uh craig lieberman was the guy they brought on as their consultant for the cars in the film Initially, they told him the cars they wanted to use, and Craig's like, no, we're not using any of those cars. Like, those cars won't work for the movie. They went, we can't use a lot of these Japanese cars because we have to be able to get the cars in America. So they went through a list of cars that were readily available in America that they could get replicas of because they wanted to be able to buy them and, you know, be able to buy versions of them they could beat up and, like, destroy and do stuff to. And then they went out and they asked a bunch of people who's you know fully finished like replica like tuner cars they could use for the films and then they would use their 
like hero cars and then they would take those cars and then they would buy like a shit version of it like a like a jetta or like a honda civic or something like that and then they would just like glue a body kit to it and just kind of like make a knockoff of like the person's car for the film for stunts and shit like that and that was how they did they got around the the car budget and they basically only spent two million dollars total on their their car budget for this film which is like fucking astonishing when you think that this entire film is built entirely around like car stunts and car culture and everything like that they could have made a lot more money had they stolen some dvd players right and then funded the project they said two million dollars including the cost of gasoline that was used in the film like that's impressive for a 39 dollar million budget only two million of that went to your cars for the car film and you know all the cars in the film like allowed people in the car culture to allow their cars to be featured in the film which is really like important because like all those people got to have their stuff featured in the film and a lot there were a lot of those people in the movie too like there's a lot of people in the movie that are actual people that are part of like the underground racing scene like they're just in the background or like they come in and they like shake people's hands and shit like that so there's a lot of like car culture crossover properly done in the movie so it's it's an interesting film in regards to like if you care about the culture and you care about like car culture at all like it is kind of revolutionary in that way i don't care about car culture i know that i don't care about car culture i don't care about car that's what makes this film succeed no it isn't it's what chuck started with it's all about family and family is what ties the entire story together the car culture is actually secondary that's why it's so damn important it's amazing as the beginning of the franchise of Fast and Furious because I definitely feel the Fast and Furious bones. The music style is probably doesn't really start up until Too Fast, Too Furious. Like this had Limp Biscuit metal in it compared to the like the rest of them start getting more into like the like techno EDM and and rap into the second one. What about when Vince tax Brian and that song's like Watch a bag, Watch your bag. This is the most on-point song that I've ever heard in a movie. For the record, there is no Limp Biscuit in the soundtrack. There is Limp Biscuit in the soundtrack. There's 100% Limp Biscuit playing. Whenever they have their first car meet, it's Limp Biscuit. Rolling, rolling, rolling. It's Limp Biscuit. No. Because I 100% sat there and was like, it was like, oh, bet Lexi loves this. That's my first thought when I heard Limp Biscuit playing. Lexi, you are driving me crazy. This is the first episode of <laughs> The Fast and Furious, and you're fucking wrong. Limp Bizkit's a thousand percent in it. I don't care if you looked up the soundtrack online. They were playing Roland. Ask Jacob Roland. He, he knows Roland is. Yeah. He knows okay. that it's Limp Bizkit. You're disappointing me <laughs> okay. on the first episode. We got so many to go. We got ten more to go after this. God damn it. <laughs> Why don't you get into the story? Why don't you tell us who these characters are? Oh, uh, me? You want me to tell you the story? We got we got Brian Earl Spilner, who sounds like a serial killer. <laughs> Brian Earl Spilner. Sounds like a serial killer. I'll be honest with you. Killer. For the one second, they were like, Spilner? I'm like, that's not his name. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. That's his undercover name. It is a pretty there's white a, name. There's a lot of things that I like. I haven't watched this 
the original one because it is it is the original justin you have to admit it's the original it's the original i've watched yeah. this in a long time there are there are like a lot of goofy things that i forgot about like i don't know why it, it made me laugh so much when he goes to the the safe house with the other fbi guys and they're like the scene's all tense and they're like what do you guys want and he's like frozen cappuccinos like ted levine's like <laughs> Give me frozen cappuccino. Ted Levine's the best. I forgot, I forgot he, was he was in the in, franchise. As as I, I forgot he was there, but as soon as I heard his voice, I was like, I was like, oh my god, Ted Levine's in this movie? Oh, I forgot he was like his his FBI handler guy or something. But he's just like, get around frozen cappuccinos. The guy's like, decaf? And he's like, yeah, you better make mine decaf. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> They're incognito in like a random mansion in LA. Yeah. <laughs> Give me oh, a cigarette. I, Don't let him yeah. have a cigarette. Give don't me a cigarette. Let him don't let him have a cigarette. Yeah, their he interactions quit. in that house are hilariously awkward. Like it's, it feels like it's from a completely different movie or something right. like that from the rest of the film. We don't even get the reveal that he's a cop till like thirty minutes into the movie. Yeah. <laughs> we just think he's just like a weird, like he just seems like he's a guy that wants to be a racer so bad or something like that, and he's just like, "Come on, guys, let me be a racer. I, I could do it. I could be a, I could be a real race car driver too." It's either that or he really likes Dom's sister, yeah. Mia. He really likes those tuna sandwiches, if you know what I mean. The, the tuna no crust, come on. <laughs> I said it to you yesterday and you were like, what? Oh, I wasn't listening to what you were saying. Once you were like, think about it. I'm like, oh, it's a must be Fast and <laughs> Furious. Because he was there for every day getting the same exact so thing. I said to him, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm watching Tuna No Crust. And he's just like... The very first time that you see Dom, he's in the back of Toretto's uh, sandwich shop or whatever. <laughs> what the grocery <laughs> store or something? Like Market or something? I honestly forgot he even had a little shop. I didn't even know they had a family. You I just forgot like thought it was, yeah, you, I, I feel like when I thought back, I was like, I was like, I thought he just had a garage or something like that. Like, right. I, yeah, I didn't remember him like owning a grocery store or something. And then he cracks open what I'm assuming is a, a I mean, Corona, and he just you just see the back of his head for a good couple minutes, and uh, then you meet Vince, who has to be the most closeted character, <laughs> and then entire movie he calls brian a faggot and then he wears like Fishnet his shirts. Um, he's got those mesh yeah mesh shirts like, all the time he's got all the, the mesh tank collection tops of mesh tank tops he's got like seven different ones that he wears over everything i was like who the mm -hmm. fuck dressed this guy he did <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, he did. There's a lot of things I really like about this movie, too, where, like, the very first time that they do their race and they use the NOS, the effects to make it seem like they're going, I don't know, a billion miles <laughs> per hour. <laughs> they're, like, supposedly going way faster than cars could actually go, even though the speedometers are like, yeah, they're going, like, 150. This was the first film to introduce that effect, the nitrous effect like that. I do love the effects of inside the engine where the computer graphics are kind of terrible by today's yeah. standards. This film affected not just movies, but video games too. Like this shit like carried over to everything when like the nitrous effect, like that nitrous effect carried out to every video game and what have you, like that moving fast effect. It's kind of almost the bullet time of like car stuff in a lot of ways, like that, that whole thing. It's an interesting kind of thing. The movie's actually funny, too. Like, I forgot about the very first race when they all pull up to the line, and it's all dramatic, but Brian, like, fucking passes the line, <laughs> and then he has to back up. That's probably about all the humor there is in this entire movie. And then there's probably some unintentional humor. The unintentional humor is every time someone has to go, Brian, you got to go to Race Wars. And I'm just like, oh. 
again, there's another thing I think I forgot about. And the first time they said it, I was like, did they really call it race wars in the movie? And then, like, they keep saying it over and over. They're like, yeah. they're like, are you guys ready for race wars? I'm like, who sat there and read this entire script and was like, the 20th time someone says race wars is like, I don't know if that's what we should call. I mean, I know it's a race event, but I just really don't think we should call it race wars. Like, that's just not. And I mean, I it does end with a guy beating a Vietnamese guy up very severely. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is a race war. It really is turning into that. And I, I don't feel like that. Again, it wasn't, right. wasn't intentional. Uh, as, as Justin already said, they already dropped the hard F on, uh, on Brian <laughs> O'Connor. So it's like, I was like, I was like, I get this movie was made a long time ago when that stuff flew a little more, but I was like, I still just, I, race wars was what I couldn't get over every time they just kept going. Guys, you go to race wars. It's like, stop it. Stop saying that. Stop calling that. Stop calling your event that. It was a legit event in the desert at some fucking random airport, apparently. I liked it. I wanted to be in that. You wanted to be in the race war? I, I would be the guy with, like, the neon lights just the lights, dancing. Yeah. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the racing. I've been to stuff like that. It's also the only movie, I think, where there's a dude in a t-shirt that's, like, making the cars go. The countdown to, like, when they can race. Because they shot that out in Nevada. Two on, they're always women. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they're guys. Mostly it's women. Yeah. The only guys, if they're, like, being characters, then, like, they're guys. I like Ludacris, but Jaw Roll was hilarious in this movie. Monica! Ah, uh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot. That was another no, part that I was, I was like... I, yeah, I, I was like, oh, I remember Ludacris and Tyrese, but I forgot Jaw Rule's in the first film. So Jaw Rule, he was asked to be in the second movie, and he turned it down because he didn't want to be in sequels. And then you got Ludacris as Taj. What an idiot. Like, I swear, yeah, these movies, though, down? like, these movies are just, like, a wash with, like, rappers at the end of their careers. Like, because Ja Rule was at the end of his career when he was in that movie, and then he had nothing after it. And, I mean, uh, in the next movie, Tyrese, his career was over with music at that point. I don't so think Tyrese was ever a rapper. Yeah, he, I mean, he wasn't he had, he, Yeah, he had music, but. He had, he had R&B and You know, let's, you let, and, let's hold off Tyrese until the next episode. He's not even in this movie. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's just, it's just funny because, like, this whole series just, like, collects, like, people, rappers at the end of their careers. It just, like, tosses them in these movies, like, over and over. It's kind of funny. Before the episode, you were talking about Ludacris. Ludacris is technically in this movie. He does have a song. Yeah, he has a song in the movie. So I don't know if he plays Ludacris, I guess, as that's, he sings. That's what we or... need to. That's what we need in Fast X. <laughs> there needs to be a part where Tej meets Ludacris because, as we've been shown, Ludacris exists in the Fast and Furious <laughs> universe. So somewhere out there, there's just Ludacris looks exactly like Tej Parker. Or maybe that's that. That would be a, like that would be the equivalent of like an Ocean's Twelve like like someone goes do you think you can get us in he's like he's like yeah man everyone always tells me i look like ludicrous and then they do they go for that scene of like tej walking around and they're like oh my god that's ludicrous like yeah let him in that's 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 got to be ludicrous (laughs) i do feel bad i I feel terrible i'm sorry cutting you off i feel terrible for all the characters in this first movie whether they die or not they don't make it into like the franchise they don't take off at all who the hell's that guy at the end um not vince but you know the other guy (laughs) there's just one other guy there i want to i'm gonna have to pay close attention I, he just totally falls out of the franchise oh, yeah, I, don't I think, think. I don't, that, but that happens with the uh, i feel like that happens with every one of these movies like only it feels like it, they only pick up like one character out of every one of these movies and the rest just all completely disappear like because you get into the second one and even the villain feels like he's set up that he's supposed to come back or uh 
some of the other guys that start out or Devin Lee the who's with uh, Tej like the entire movie and then she never returns into the franchise mm-hmm. like that, well, that that this whole one kid can't come back from the dead at least because he was genuinely gunned down uh, yeah so who least, who who was gunned down the the guy who drives the um the Volkswagen the he Jetta races against uh, yeah the oh one. you said literally gunned down he wasn't gunned down in real life. <laughs> No, well, he wasn't. How many characters have died and come back in this franchise? Okay, but like, I don't know. <laughs> he did okay, have the boys in the hood rolled his getting car, massacred. If he had rolled his car, he would have survived. But he was gunned down, and it was out in the daylight, and I think it was just completely unsurvivable at that point. This episode is off the chain already. We're all already all over the place. But the ending is fucking <laughs> hilarious where they hear the motorcycles and they're like, no, I forget his name. Isn't it like um, Johnny Tram? Uh, well, Johnny is the one that comes up. But the guy that they shoot, he's like the only guy that's like when he's like, I fucked up, Dom, I fucked up. And like, everyone, Paul Walker and everyone hears them coming. And he's the only one that gets gunned down out of like the, yeah, I don't know, the five people that are there. You knew he was going to die. The twitchy autistic guy is clearly going to get shot at some point. Well, the plot line, too, where he bets the pink slip, but there's, like, no reason for him to... They don't say why that he bets the pink slip. Yeah, it, it's, that's, a, like, a weird... They should have done more with that. That was very, like, underdeveloped plot right there with that. They could have done something with that and made that kind of more of a plot point. There's a there's a lot of those kind of side storylines in this movie that kind of... This movie, when they do their first race and Brian's like, I almost had you, and they all laugh, you get, like, the longest Vin Diesel monologue that you get in the entire franchise. You didn't almost have me. It's the most the guy ever talks in one go. I think something that is apparent when you watch the first film and the sequential films after this, and it's something we're going to cover later on in the series when it gets to a point where we have Don't spoil anything. I'm not going to spoil anything, but in my opinion, Paul Walker is the main character of this series, not Vin Diesel. He is, and then they switch places after he's dead. Yeah, but, like, I I think, like, I, I don't... Who's the first? No. Who's the first character you see in this movie? Brian. It's, it's Brian. Yeah. Who's the last character you see in the movie? It's Brian. Right, and 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 the next movie focuses on Brian, and and so it's like you know, and I, I think when you the other thing when you think about these movies too is that like I said before, they weren't trying to do what it does, like where it becomes. So initially, like these movies were, like I told you before, they were building a movie. I don't know what you're talking about at all. Hold on, let me let me let me talk. Okay. You, you fucking drunk, <laughs> Jesus Christ! They were building a movie around a car culture first, so the car culture was the focal emphasis of the film, and then they were just kind of like, let's take Point Break and wrap car culture around it. So instead of it being about extreme sports, it's about you know sport compact car culture. What if we got rid of surfing, but we did cars? Right, exactly. So then the second film, they're like, we need a sequel. So then they were like, well, what's another movie that we can wrap cars around? So they went, okay, and then they wrap, and that's literally what they did, was they went and they made a buddy flick, and they wrapped a car movie around a buddy flick that already exists, because that movie's basically just Lethal Weapon with a fucking buddy flick wrapped around it. When you get to Tokyo Drift, that's another film entirely. Dude, you're which, on full NOS. You're, wait, you're in the third movie already. But, like, when you get to that one, they're, um, they're taking a Korean film called King of 
King of um, some, I'll find the, the name of that one later. And they take that movie's entire plot and they literally take the plot of that movie like 100% and they just substitute it over to America. There's no way. There's a movie about drifting cars in Tokyo. <laughs> it's called King of Drift. It's from Korea. And, uh, With Little Bow Wow. No, it's it's a it's really it's actually a really good movie. You should we'll we'll talk about. They it hired later, a kid from Sling Blade. I think like when these first three films come along, they're kind of their own standalone films where they're just trying to look at other film types and wrap films around them. And then at some point, it kind of like falls into becoming its own unique kind of thing. But these first three films are very much like their own kind of unique thing. So like this first film, the, the first three films, you have to realize like they're really focused more on the car culture aspects more so than the films and so car culture people really like these movies like they've done a good job of being respectful to those cultures and those are the people that these films are for and they're the people that embrace them like the car stuff in these movies are done really fucking well and the fact that they brought like so many like people's own cars into these movies like this first film has so many like original people's cars in these films the tuning what, community what do you looks, mean by that like the the tuning community looks back at these cars and they're able to go like dude that was like so-and-so's car and like the fact that it was featured in this film like it's not just like i don't know what you're talking about at all so no you don't they just borrowed people's cars and then this person's going around for 20 years being like my car was in the fast and furious and they're like okay rob but it's not like what like see like they weren't just people's cars they were respected people in the community's cars. i don't respect any of them shut the fuck up i swear to god you drunk <laughs> if i was sober i wouldn't respect them then either but they're still like so the people's like like okay like <laughs> why don't you talk about the plot of the movie it has actually a really cool western like because the plots of fucking garbage <laughs> the fact that they're like they're, they have these cars and they're robbing 18 wheelers it's so reminiscent of cowboys robbing trains they steal a shot from national lampoon's christmas vacation where the car goes underneath the 18 wheeler i mean it's pretty good for the most part but it's also so fucking stupid the, so the stunt work's all real like that's all legitimate like that's another nice thing about the first film is like no CG, all legitimate stunt work, all real cars, all real everything. Those uh, semis, those are lifted trailers so that they can actually drive the cars underneath them. I could watch Vince hanging off a semi for like an hour. I can watch that guy just like trying to avoid shotguns for the whole hour easily. <laughs> it could be more violent. I think it, it lacks violence. Whereas, like, Point Break is a much more violent film. So if you're, like, sitting there and you're looking at Point Break, I'm like, Point Break has a lot more depth. It's a lot more action. It has a lot more range. This yeah, is but they wanted 13-year-old kids that, that go right. to the, the same exactly. kids like me that go to the store, and they're like, oh, I want that magazine. Which one? The one with the Asian girl on the car. So Why? Because I want to look like, at the cars. That's all this movie is. I'm like, this is just point break for 13-year-old boys. It's like, such a good movie for the car culture because when you look at the, like, robbery aspect, who are these people that are robbing these 18-wheelers of <laughs> of DVD players and TVs with built VHS players? They're really just robbing this stuff so they can fund their racing that they enjoy so much. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's it. It's a very simple life. Let's drink Coronas and we'll rob some stuff so we can, you know, mod our car as much as possible. 
Well, yeah, but that's also, like, why Paul Walker's character falls in love with it is, like, it's just simple and easy and fun. He falls in love with Mia, not because she's simple and easy. But he also falls in love with Dom. Like, there's a there's a romance. <laughs> it's not just the sister. He also, like, like the sister says. No, that's an added bonus. He said so. It's just an added bonus. Yeah. Being friends with Dom. He's like, also, Vin Diesel at his tiniest, I think. Yeah, he's a tiny yeah. man in real life, but, like, in this movie, he's really <laughs> tiny. Yeah, he wasn't going to the gym often enough yet. He didn't. He wasn't trying to compete with The Rock. He was. He was bigger than Paul Walker, and I think that was all he needed. Is this pre or post um, Pitch Black? Uh, uh, it is post. Uh, yeah. It's Pitch Black. I think it's the two thousand. So yeah, I think Pitch Black was like a year before. I was gonna say that was his breakout role was Pitch Black. Yeah, because I've seen Fast Nine or whatever F Nine, the Fast Saga on television a few times. It's nice that the stuff that he's talking about in this movie. We actually get to see some of the flashback stuff in nine, minus the fact that he has a brother that they don't mention for ten movies. But. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I think the thing that was really interesting when watching this too, like when the movie starts, cause it's not like I've never seen this. Like I just literally watched this movie last year, so this is me watching it again, and um, I really enjoyed it this time. And and there was thing about it's a very like 99 2000s era action film which doesn't exist anymore like that whole opening sequence when he's like firing the grappling hook into the truck and like pulling the glass out and all that kind of shit i was like they don't make films like this anymore they don't make action sequences like this anymore like this is very dated like it doesn't mad max fury road that's like as close as you're getting to it so it's I like, mean, I know that's a masterpiece, but that is that is close as you're getting to. But you just don't, you just they just don't shoot stuff like this anymore. Whereas that sequence looked like everything I grew up with. You know what I'm saying? Like everything from the '90s, like kind of was shot that way and looked that way and had that kind of feel and quality to it. This movie so, is so awesome. It has floppy disks. I think Jesse's the character now. That I think about it. The nerdy Jesse character. is the character. Yeah. But it, it's <laughs> they show the mods by the floppy disk, and when Hector comes in, because Brian is really trying to find out about these three Honda Civics, that he's trying to discover who's robbing these, you know, semis. And I think that it's funny whenever Hector comes into his shop and's like, "I want three of all of these," and it has that sh- that shot that there's no way that would be on anyone's computer in any sort of business in 2001, where it's like the super effects of like it's a honda civic and you just see brian like mm-hmm. these are the three honda civics for sure you're not souping up three honda civics for any other reason except for the rob semi well and then they like use incredibly incorrect information about the, the motors and all the stuff they're like it's like they're putting three spoon like where are they getting three spoon motors and then he's like talking about these garrett turbos and i'm just like what is the None of these parts go together, like none of this kind of stuff. They do in the Fast and Furious franchise. I don't even know if you know anything that you say that you know because you've been wrong like three times already. So I, I think a spoon motor can go into it. You tell me there's 10 turbos in that car, I believe it. Okay. Also, you know what? This movie and the next movie are like, Kill I me. love the color coordination that you get with, like everyone had to get a different colored car. And I love the moments where, like, they're talking to each other while they're inside their cars where they would never be able to hear each other. I miss that mo- that, that that era of the scene where, like, things were bright and colorful. Because, like, at, around the fourth film, 
the scene does drop off with that stuff like the neon lights and all that kind of shit like it drops off and it goes away and the scene changes because the scene always changes that's the whole point the modding scene changes and these films these films like brought the bright colors and the neon lights and the nos and all that kind of shit and it made it mainstream and it brought it out and it showed everybody this side of car culture and then when it made it mainstream and then every asshole went out there and was like doing it with their honda civic and then like everybody was doing it and then they were they were doing donuts in the parking lot after watching the movie and so when that became a thing it destroyed like that side of that car culture because it went too mainstream and so everybody decided that instead of that that the answer was to go like you know low key so then car culture like was going like understated instead so you talk about car culture very generally i don't even know what you're talking about well you don't have to they're like these movies changed car culture and i agree with you i mean i don't know what you're talking about but i'm sure it has the last great like fun bright colorful fast and the furious film is tokyo drift like that's where you really get like the last like really great fun bright colorful All the neon car scenes colors and everything. yeah like so it's like this film starts it and then it like kind of goes a little bit batshit in the second film it kind of goes too far and then it peaks in the third film and then it just falls off hey listeners it- make sure before you watch too fast too furious you watch the the short film about how brian got from los angeles to miami that's right there's like a three minute film i'm pretty sure it's just brian driving to miami probably yeah <laughs> i i kind of remember that in too fast too furious it was like includes the short film about how brian gets to miami and he just fucking drives there is there anything in this movie in the first one the original that you miss that's not doesn't get picked up in the rest of the franchise was that too difficult mean? a question like what, i was gonna it, say what do you mean by that statement like I you know how like of limp biscuit does severely you know, that, exactly exactly of, what, of how chuck's films. answering i would agree yeah like new metal just like some system of a down or something well, like <laughs> i do think that you are right in the sense that all of these films had because when this film came out i'm what you you're right shut the fuck up the this the, when this film came out there was a soundtrack for it and they did kind of promote the soundtrack for it and they had those music videos that showed scenes from the films and shit like that and then when the second film came out that's when they really were like promoting music for it and like ludicrous made that you know too fast too furious song for the film and all that kind of shit and then the third film soundtrack was like fucking a banger like that's i mean you think about at the time that's like daredevil came out and you had the evanescence song right but uh, you know spider-man had the uh nickelback song was it nickelback i thought it was creed oh it's 100 percent it was it was nickelback (laughs) with the guy from saliva yeah it was a duet get it right you think creed could write a song like that i can't i can't believe you maybe alter bridge could but i don't think creed could do it bridge you were digging (laughs) deep into the fucking pool right there i just remember that one song where the guy goes really crazy with his vocals (laughs) going back to what i said with the cars even these films had these amazing colorful bright cars these like 
banging soundtracks that were like super memorable because like there are songs that you can think of that like you can associate with like these films like even this movie i was like there were songs we're playing and i'm like i associate that song with this film like that weird like one guitar song that like plays i'm like i think of this movie when i hear that song play and that kind of shit there's a lot of songs that i think of when i think of this movie but also make me think of that era and then like the second film like i I can't think of it and not think of the the too fast too furious song from ludicrous i can't think of like the uh fast or tokyo drift without hearing like the the teriyaki boys you know fast and furious song there's a fall off at some point in these films where the soundtracks just become drab and they don't have any fun and they don't have like those bangers and they don't have any like original songs and i think like that's something that the film series loses is like i think you you needed to keep the fun music and the bright colors i think those were like two of those key features that make these movies kind of fun and unique i mean does the movie really go like monochrome like does it really drop the color i always think of them the series is pretty bright and colorful. When we get into four, you'll see what I'm talking about. I'm not gonna like push it. Four is like the ugliest film. From four memory. is the ugliest film, like hands down. Like I think it goes down, ugliest. except it's like it's only ever played for like comedy. That like Tyrese always wants like the bright colored cars, and everyone else is like, we're supposed to right. be incognito, Tyrese. You can't have the, you can't have the red uh, Lamborghini or whatever. But I want to like, drive the films. tank. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's it's all. Yeah, I, I agree. It's like it's after three. It's always played as like just a joke. Whenever Tyrese yeah. is always the one that like wants the bright colored car, and they're always like, "You can't have the bright colored car. That's not what we're doing anymore." I mean, that's yeah. When we get to the espionage, which is not in this first movie at all. So let's let's talk real quick about Brian Supra. Brian Supra um, just sold at Barrett. Uh, Barrett Jackson auction for $550 million, one of the highest selling movie cars to ever sell. That's pretty good because he, he built that from scratch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, but that was the hero car from the film. So that one sold for $550 million. Can you buy the green one that was all shot up by Johnny Tran? So I actually uh, have a photo of me. I don't have me standing next to it, but I have uh, actually touched it and have stood next to it and have photos of it, which I will post on our socials. I just want to say that Chuck's also touched it. Have you? Have you seen the one that was shot up by Johnny Tram? Oh, the car? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about something different. No, no. (laughs) No, I've actually, like, stood next to the one they blew up. I I I was like, like, if Chuck's touched something, then I've heard about it. They had it in Vegas at this um, Hollywood Car Museum, so I've seen a bunch of the cars from the first film, and I got to uh, yeah, the next to the blown up one. I touched the blown up one. How different would the series be if Brian O'Connor blew himself up with his NOS? Because they they say it like five times. They're like, "You're gonna blow yourself to smithereens with that." So funny enough, NOS doesn't blow up, so that wouldn't have happened. It would blow up. Didn't you see the movie? Were you not watching the same movie as us? Yeah. Uh, when Johnny Tran shot that car, Vin Diesel like, was like, when you shoot <laughs> Yeah, he said not. Nah. He, he knew that it was going to blow up more than a normal car yeah. because it had NOS in it. Yeah. And then they jumped out of the way, and the car blew up. It, it like jumped like a couple feet in the air because of all the yep. NOS that was inside of it. I know. I don't know if you remembered that scene or not. I I do. I remember it was complete bullshit, but um, yeah. 
Did you like <laughs> did you like Brian's NOS that was like in his back seat? Or did you prefer Dom's NOS that was like in his passenger seat? Like I underneath did. the seat. I did like Dom's like secret NOS. I thought that was pretty <laughs> slick. And I also liked his little like secret button that popped out of like the dash for his NOS button. Very inconveniently placed though, like really not convenient if you're trying Better to than a than Letty's NOS that literally on her on her steering wheel just said NOS with like um a label maker. Tape, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's how all of them are. That's I love that are. race too where she's like in race wars and Letty's like talking to that guy that's like being sexist and she's like, Oh yeah, I got two G's and he's like, I also just happen to have two G's right in my pocket and they Right. One of my favorite scenes is the the first race in the movie when he's going and uh he hits the no! and Monica. Uh, his yeah <laughs> and his computer starts going uh manifold pressure and, and you're just like what does that have to do with anything at all that's going and he on? just says shut and up shut and up he and he slams it lap. and then all of a sudden like the floor plant pan of his car Falls so that out. fall that falls and out, I'm and then like, later he picks up Vin Diesel, and there's and like back. no yeah, and, and no like, shot whatsoever of Vin Diesel like lifting his legs up because like there's no floor there. No floor pan, yeah. But more importantly, why why did his floor pan blow out when his engine was tweaking out? That had nothing to do with. Uh, he anything. was going so fast that all the nuts yeah. and bolts started falling out of the car. Like it would have been cool if when that whatsoever. that that floor pan when it busts out the back. If it pulled like a final destination and like decapitated somebody, that'd have been sick. So to build a replica of wait, the, you're ignoring the fact that somebody could have got decapitated. I, I just want to point that out. I, I will. Um, so like, yeah, if people try to build replicas of the the um, cars, eclipse the, the eclipse <laughs> specifically. Well, the eclipse, Brian's eclipse from the movie. You'll spend upwards of almost a hundred plus thousand dollars to try to replicate that car from the film, trying to get the parts for it. The parts for the car in the movie were like dirt cheap; like it wasn't expensive because like it was just like a, someone's car they built at the time. They were just off the shelf parts, and now like being able to get those parts, those parts are like very rare and very hard to find. So anybody who wants to replicate those cars, they spend like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars so there are no like proper exact replicas of those cars people who replicate fast and the furious cars they take it like so seriously and um of all the films that that people take seriously when they're replicating the first film is the film that they take the most seriously so like the brian's eclipse the um supra dom's charger um, those are all like the cars that people take the most. I built seriously. Dom's Charger. I got it right here. He has built Dom's Charger. It didn't Dom, seem that hard. Dom's dad died, and he couldn't finish building that Charger. Yeah. Fucking Chuck's done it. That's amazing. He's Did done he, it. Yeah. Just don't run it into a dump truck and flip it. It doesn't matter. He. It, <laughs> I saw the trailer for the new movie. He can drive that thing out of a fucking C one thirty, and it's fine. <laughs> He Even though just, at the end of this movie it hits a car and gets fucking all fucked up, but you know, so we were dropping it out of a plane's fine. Yeah, we're gonna get into it, but we are in it. Can Dom in his charger fight Marvel superheroes? No, but if you add, no, no, he can't. 
Yes, he can. No, he can't. There's two he things that. No, took shut up. Two for one second. Down be, by no, be quiet. Be, in the sky. It wasn't the car. <laughs> it wasn't the car. It was the corona in the family. You're forgetting the <laughs> most important elements of this franchise. It's not the car. It's the driver. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> oh, God. You didn't even know what you were getting into when you were starting to talk well, about that. Well, I didn't, didn't know you were going to drink three margaritas before the episode, so. It doesn't change a damn fact about this movie, though. <laughs> I kind of want to see Chuck's charger. Can you hold that up to the camera? Chuck's like, I don't want to break it. <laughs> he won't break it. He built it. He can Super rebuild tough. it. Look at that thing. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. Which which film is it from? Is it from the first one? Yeah, yeah I believe it's just technically considered the first one. Okay. okay. All right. yeah. So, like, the replicas of the cars and stuff, I know that's Lego, but they just generally call everything Fast and Furious now. They don't yeah. They don't point out the specific movie. Because a lot yeah. of times they, they're like, we're, we rebuilt the car, and you're like, it's not even the same fucking car, but okay. I have... Um photos of a lot of the original film cars i've seen a lot of them for christmas didn't you get something fast and furious-esque oh yeah uh <laughs> you gave me brian supra so i have that yeah, i mean we only ever that. talk about the your scream blanket but you definitely yeah yeah, yeah the gift that i actually like that you gave me <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i actually have uh not a whole lot of like fast and the furious merch but it is so you have the supra chuck has built the charger which is he the does. better car well, which is the better car it's not it's not fair <sighs> why is it not fair uh, i don't know what are we doing are we drag racing because even i don't know it's not... it doesn't have to be a drag race it's just whatever's the better car i would take the supra it doesn't matter if you win by a mile or a second yeah it doesn't <laughs> winning's winning because i'll always take a japanese car over an american one so. Chuck, it's it's always got to be the Dodge Charger. Well, you know what they taught us in Point Break, the remake. You can only no be one has. I haven't. No one's seen the remake. Uh, we have on our podcast, <laughs> and it has Vigo Mortensen. Mm. I mean, I've seen the remake, and I couldn't have even told you Vigo Mortensen was in it. That's how forgettable it was. You know, this had uh, Ted Levine in it. So fuck Vigo Mortensen. And it had Michelle Rodriguez. I can't stand her. This was like why garbage Michelle Rodriguez. Like uh, Michelle Rodriguez has never made a bad movie. Me. Like at this point, she's got there's there's better. never been a bad Michelle Rodriguez oh, movies. There's man. just bad movies that Michelle Rodriguez happens to be in. <laughs> Even like the worst movie. movie, you think of like Resident Evil. She's like pretty fucking good in that yeah. movie. She's terrible in that movie. That she's the terrible, best part though. of that movie. She dies in like five minutes in it. She makes it all the way to the end <laughs> and then <laughs> dies. Lexi has her facts so fucked up. It's like as if she's never watched a movie. Yeah. Ever. I really feel uh, like you need to go back and listen to uh, <laughs> the chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water and just oh really, really reach back into your roots. And then maybe you'll start understanding what we're talking about. <laughs> you just need to get rolling immediately. Yeah. I believe that Lip Biscuit are responsible for 9 11 because. The video for Roland was the last music video that was shot on top of the World Trade Center. No, it's a it's a fact that Kermit the Frog <laughs> the was World for Trade Center. <laughs> the, the World Trade Center. Yeah, like the that. World Trade Center. The World Trade Center. Yeah. They were like, we need the hardest rocking band to weaken the building so we can fly these buildings into uh, planes into it and have it fall uh, apart. No, it's a legit fact. There was uh, in one of the Muppet movies. 
Kermit uh, sees a life where he wasn't born and uh, the Twin Towers are still standing. And then so it's, it's very much a fact that Kermit the Frog is responsible. If, if he just wasn't here, the towers would still be standing. Oh, uh, that sounds like a sound theory. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that theory, too. I'll go with that instead. I did like thinking that Limp Bizkit was responsible for 9-11, though. But that is a fact that they are the last music video that was shot on top of the World Trade Center before they collapsed. Well, it sounds like the World Trade Center's problem if they couldn't handle Limp Bizkit at their hardest. I mean, yeah. Maybe, the, maybe those towers weren't meant to stand if they couldn't yeah. handle that. You know what, though? You have to think about this. This is the only Fast and Furious movie that was made while the towers were standing. That is true. They weren't able to handle the franchise. Now I know you'll be living this shit right here, L-I-M-P. Living it or loving it? I'll let you go back. I was talking to Lexus or Alexi, and she's like, "They're playing, they're playing, (laughs) they're playing Ludacris's Poison in this." I'm like, "I don't think so," because he didn't come out with that song for the potion. The potion. I'm like, "No way!" The potion comes out a couple years after this. (laughs) Does it? Yeah, it came out in 2004. This is a 2001 movie. What was it then? What was the what was the song? Area codes. Oh, was it area codes? Okay. Yes. Hey, at least I caught it. Yeah, you like, did catch it. I was like, "There's some Ludo in here." It's so weird to think that today's youth—they don't even know Ludacris as a rapper. They know Ludacris as the actor right. in the Fast and Furious franchise. He wasn't just a rapper. He was a really good rapper. Like he wasn't even like a bad rapper. Like he was peak. He was one of the best of like the moment, hands down. I think he's, he's rapping again because he's doing peanut butter commercials. Is he? He had like one of the most successful, several successful albums. I believe he's Grammy, like one of the Gram- several Grammys or a Grammy or. I mean, he's no Kendrick Lamar, but yeah, sure. <clears throat> you know what's really funny? Kendrick Lamar the... wishes he could write "Move, Bitch." <laughs> right. <laughs> that is a well, that is probably Ludacris's best song. So. Of all of the people in the Fast and the Furious franchise film, Brian O'Connor. <laughs> who are the ones that actually like cars? Brian O'Connor. Yeah, definitely Brian O'Connor. Yeah, he does. I think that's what you were talking about earlier. And yeah, you can get into it more later on. But I feel like that's largely, again, why these movies get. They still have cars, but they're less and less car movies and more and more just action movies at some point and it's it feels like it's very much yeah it's noticeably after the, uh he dies that they they really become like just yeah cars are just very secondary to just the big explosions only, and the only actual car people in the fast and the furious franchises are paul walker yeah we got it right chuck we got it yeah we nailed it and um the other one is jason statham jason statham is a huge car guy as well but he doesn't really come in until way later in the series, so spoiler. But uh, yeah, they were like, like there's footage of like they were invited, like all the cast was invited to go to like track days and like go do like stuff with like cars and like they they were invited to go learn to do their own stunt driving and all this kind of shit. And the only people that would go were like Paul Walker and Ludacris, and that's it. The rest of them were like, I ain't fucking doing that shit. What about Ted Levine? You know what's really funny is um, the Rock gets terribly carsick. Like he that isn't funny. Above over, I think like thirty miles an hour. Like that's, so can... that's <laughs> fucked up and serious. What are you talking about? Well, he's what's in, he's... what's funny about a, a man getting ill? Uh, that he's in a bunch of movies about driving. 
that he tries to be the hardest guy on the planet and can't handle a car going a little fast. Yeah. Dude, go and grab a rocket. He grabs a rocket, man. Yeah. Feels like maybe he's compensating for something there. Yeah. You know, he honestly is compensating <laughs> because if you hear about all the stuff that's going on with went on with Black Adam, there's like more. Yeah, the the black. I, <laughs> I, I was again. We can we can get more into this when we get to those movies. But I I 100 was like, oh, is this why he had to like have his own whole separate movie that couldn't be mm-hmm. a, a part of the rest of the Fast and Furious movies? Like like is why he had to like demand to have his own franchise that yeah. didn't really go anywhere. And then he's kind of just mad and is like. Whatever, I'm I'm done with this. I'm not coming back. I'm a Dave Batista guy now. I think he's a pretty damn good actor. The Rock has just been kind of disappointing. Yeah. It's mostly the stuff I've been hearing about Black Adam, where I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like, I don't know anything about that, this, but I'm super interested. Well, he's essentially more worried about his ego than anything else. He he pretty and, much is the reason that uh, that DC imploded and has to completely be rebooted at this point. Wonderful. Almost single-handedly, it seems. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I never understood why they cast him for Black Adam to begin with when he is so resistant to playing villains. Uh, it was him. Because he demanded he, it. <laughs> he casted himself as Black Adam. Because, like, I actually love, like, I not to go on this thing, but I'm a huge, like, Shazam fan, and I was excited to hear a Black Adam movie, and I heard The Rock, and I was like, The Rock won't play villains? I'm not watching that. You were like, like The I Rock like, can't play that role. Sinbad already did it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely happened. I remember Exactly. It. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck's like, that's not how I remember it. <laughs> oh, man. I actually really enjoyed watching the first Fast and the Furious this time uh, more than I've ever enjoyed watching it previously i've enjoyed this movie a lot growing up but i've always thought the second one was a little bit more fun a little bit more ridiculous i actually hated it the first time i saw it shocker i know why because your hamburger meat show it's got so many great lines I, i was really excited about the movie when i heard it was being made like when i first first heard about it being made i was like oh fuck yeah because i was really into the subcompact car scene like i was into the JDM cars and all that shit and to have a movie that finally I was into the BDM muscle cars I was so sick of fucking muscle cars like every movie I ever watched growing up it was muscle cars muscle cars fucking muscle cars or supercars I mean technically you get muscle cars in this franchise too and well yeah but like I don't mind them being there but I would like to see other cars get their time and it was it was nice to finally hear that they were going to get their time so I was excited by this, and, and I thought I was going to get more car kind of stuff, and it wasn't really what I was hoping for going into it, because I was a fan of Initial D, and so I was expecting more of, like, Japanese content and Japanese kind of flavoring going into it, and I got a, a bone stock American action film and a lot of drag racing, and drag racing is very American. Like, the thing is, is that this movie portrayed the american side of the sport compact scene and like the thing is is that americans still drag race like that's still part of american culture like we don't we don't take it we to don't. the track we don't like we don't build cars for cornering we don't build cars for we handling we don't drive we don't drift we don't kind of do that stuff we do now. We drift. The, yeah, we drift the, now. The culture has changed because of stuff like this, like this film coming along 
the Japanese drifting stuff kind of being picked up over here and the culture changing around it. And so now there's been a larger move to rallycross and that kind of stuff like that. So with the shift in different cultures, car cultures kind of coming over to our country and us indoctrinating those different aspects of different car, car cultures into our car culture, we are now starting to see more and more stuff that's more interesting and diversified. But in the 2000s, in the 90s, like car culture in America was still like lining up at a stoplight and drag racing a quarter mile from like one stoplight to the next stop. Don't you dare say it. And like it was that's 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 a culture that has existed like straight up from like the 50s in like Detroit right up through LA like that is the American street racing culture you realize Lexi you have not talked very much about this movie because this movie is talking about something that I'm talking about like you didn't mention the fact that when they street race Pizza Hut shows up and gets man (sighs) the product placement I mean, this movie has some really interesting product placement. Like some of the best. It's got a bunch of Veilside product placement. It has a bunch of Apexi product placement. But then it also has, like, Pizza Hut product placement. And, like, like it's so weird how they've done the product placement, too. Because, like, most of the brands in this movie are dead. Including Pizza Hut, which is, like, on its last leg. And DVD like, players. Yeah. That's a lot of, like, dead brands, like, all throughout this entire movie. Like, most of the car brands. And Johnny are- Tran legally bought all those DVD players. <laughs> yeah. That weird scene with Ted where Johnny Tran's, like, beating up that guy was, like, it's so disturbing because it's so odd. It goes on for so long. It's like a five-minute scene of him, like, making this guy guzzle gas oil and shit. You didn't talk about, like, after race wars, how Dom, he hit his car. I love his red car. And the cops are like, Dom Toretto. And they start chasing him. But Brian found him and saved him, but accidentally drove into Johnny Tran's territory. And... You know, they fucked them. They fucked up the car, and they're like, I, "We're gonna have to walk twenty miles." But they actually just drove a taxi back to Dom's house. They're having a party. Dom's like, "Nobody cares about me except for Brian." Because the important stuff about this movie is not the movie; it's about the car culture that the movie. Represents. You are missing. You didn't even talk about what happens in the movie, and then they race, and he races with his pink slip, and he owes Dom a ten-second car. This is gonna be important. For the rest of the franchise. <laughs> but, you know, that car gets all shot up by Johnny Tram. And, you know, Dom doesn't give a shit if the car was all shot up by Johnny Tram. Brian still owes him a 10-second car. Even though he is supposedly has a 9-second car in his garage. Well, he doesn't, he he doesn't wants care. That ten, he wants that 10-second car. Brian showed him loyalty, unlike the rest of his crew, who did not show him loyalty. That he is family. They mattered. weren't family. They did not show loyalty to Dom the way that Brian did. But Brian, he's an undercover cop. And what does he do at the end of this movie? Huh? He calls a helicopter and saves his friend even after being a no, cop. No, that's, that's before And then that, he lets but... him go. And then he lets him go because he realizes that That's the second family. time he blows his cover. But I, I was talking about after he races uh, Dom across the railroad tracks. And then Dom crashes because he's not fucking paying attention and then brian gives him his car yeah his 10 second car he doesn't take him in he could have arrested that's the moment he becomes family 
And if you're not talking about the plot, you're missing that, Lexi. You're missing that. He hands up his car keys in, like, the weirdest way, too. Like, I don't understand, like, why he hands them to him the way he does. He gave them to him the only way he knew how, as family would give him. I thought about, too. I was like, really? After you just had, like, that traumatic, like, race and Dom, like, flipped his car over him and, like, he took the keys out of the ignition? And, like... <laughs> Dom's like, like dead, and he's like, "Here, man, you can have my car." <laughs> like, I like the keys would have been in the ignition. The car probably would have been left on, as far as I'm concerned. Not Brian. He's a cop. He would have took those keys with him. He's like, "Oh no, I gotta shut it off." It is funny seeing the little ass keys now. Like, you don't see keys like that anymore because yeah. everything's uh, the fobs, the electric fobs, and everything. Well, Brian's Supra is a '97. I so. think you mean Dom's Supra, right? At the end of the film. Did you know that all the way at the end of the credits, did you go all the way to the end of the credits, there's, like, a secret scene? Did you know that? In the first movie? In the first movie. I didn't know that until, like... Maybe, but I didn't rewatch all through the credits. I turned it off. If you go all the way through the credits, there's a shot of Dom driving a red Chevy Chevelle along the beach in Mexico, Baja. I think that's the perfect place to end this episode. What do you guys think? Yep, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, Team Chuck. I'm a, I'm Team Chuck, and we'll be back on Friday to talk about the second movie because we're gonna what, Lexi? Talk about all the movies. Yeah, we're gonna talk more about the importance of car culture in these films, and we're gonna talk more about Craig Lieberman. You know, soak that up, Lexi, because you only have a couple movies until, like Chuck said, it gets off car culture. I will. I will definitely get to talk about the uh, R34 in the next one. There's a whole story around that. I wanted to talk about the R33 in this film, but I'll bring it up in the next one because there's a whole, like, it's really important. Please talk about it in the next one. Not this one. Well, that's become Brian's signature car is the Skyline later on. So we're going we're gonna to go into that. The Buster. All right, guys. We'll see you on Friday. Bye. All right. That was our episode. Thanks for listening. Cinema Demore. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with news and information on upcoming episodes. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Pandora, Alexa, or iHeartRadio. It would be greatly appreciated if you subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We also appreciate feedback, so rate us, review us, and let us know what you think. And above all else, thank you for listening. <laughs>